Hey, welcome to the Prison Wallet. So this is a bit of a general sort of topic episode. Well, we, you know, we're still kind of experimenting a little bit with this podcast. Most of the time it's movie commentary tracks. But we had this thought that like maybe after the commentary, let's just talk about whatever's on our mind for like another half hour. That seemed like a cool thing. But then when I listened back, I, uh, I didn't like it. <laughs> it's like we just did this whole 90 minute movie commentary and it's all done and ready to wrap up and then we just keep talking. It just, it felt weird. As editor boy, I vetoed it. So this is actually, uh, we recorded this with the last episode, which was about sleepaway camp. So we finished talking about sleepaway camp and we just kept talking. But I decided to snip it out and uh, make it into its own podcast instead. So we talk about uh, going to see the Monster Squad at, uh, you know, an old repertory theater and talked about like classic theaters and what that was like when we were growing up. And then because it's a little bit of a shorter episode, I talked a bit about being a projectionist. So I found this clip that me and my friend Doug recorded, who I met in a projection booth in the mid 2000s. And we were both projectionists. And we just talk a bit about a bit about that life, about being a projectionist, because that's a job that uh, so tied into movies and it's so classic, but it doesn't exist anymore. Unless you go to like some weird little theater in Mexico or something, it just doesn't, it's not a thing. Everything's digital. So yeah, I just thought I'd give this little preamble to explain what this episode is. Just, uh, just your old pals, Keith and Ray, talking about movie-related topics. And then next episode, we'll be back with another commentary. So uh, thanks for listening. I hope you like it. Uh, here we go. So now that we finished this, uh, let's chit-chat uh, for, for a few minutes about some other shit. Sure. Let's just turn this down a bit because it's just playing that song in a loop. <sighs> Well, yeah, because we want to talk about uh, a few different things. Uh, let, let's first mention that, was it last weekend or the weekend before? It was two weeks ago that we went and saw The Monster Squad. Oh, yeah, we saw it in a theater. It was so good here in Toronto. They played it at the uh, the Royal Cinema, is that what it's called? Yeah, the Royal Cinema TO. And I loved that feeling, too, of just pretending for a couple hours that it's the 80s again. And, mm-hmm. like, we just went to go see the Monster Squad. Like, and, and you were saying how, you know, you've seen the Monster Squad, like, a hundred times, so it wasn't as impactful for you. But I think I've only seen it three times, so it was great to see it again. In I've the watched it three times this year. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I've seen this movie, oh, dozens of times. So... While it was cool to get to go see it in the movie theater, it didn't quite hit me um, the way it would hit someone who's only seen it, like, once or never seen it at all. Yeah, it was cool that there was a bunch of kids that, like, parents brought kids. And it's funny because the, before they started the movie, they gave a little disclaimer of, like, hey, it's the 80s. They're going to say some things, so just be cool, parents. But that must have been awesome to be a kid and just to go see the Monster Squad. Like, fucking, that's great. Yeah, definitely a good introduction if they hadn't already seen it. I mean, in that movie as well, they use terms like faggot and queer and homo and whatever. Again, uh, going back to what we were saying earlier, mm-hmm. like, yeah. like our kids' movies talked like that. How can you blame us? <laughs> like, it would have been so weird. Like, maybe you could blame us nowadays. I mean, we should know better, whatever. But back then, like, if you watch The Monster Squad and they say faggot, I'm going to say faggot. I'm going to say it. <laughs> you know, it would be insane if I was like, hey, uh, Ray, you shouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, whatever. I don't quite like <laughs> you using the word faggot or <laughs> yeah. queer or, you know, whatever. Anyway, yeah. 
the Royal Cinema, it was a really nice little old theater. Uh, yeah, and they made like the Monster Squad like you membership cards. Like they really went all out with it. It was really cool. Yeah, everyone that went in could uh, sign their name on the back of a card. And while everyone was in watching the movie, the cards were authorized uh, by different movie monsters. Like mine was authorized by, uh, I think, it, I don't remember, Frankenstein or Dracula. And then they laminated the fucking things. <laughs> yeah, like cool. it was, it was neat. You know, it was nice little keepsake you picked up, picked up on your way out. And you got the poster too, right? Yeah, I got the only large size poster. That they had, uh, I paid for it. I mean, I only paid ten bucks, but I paid for it because I fucking wanted it. The theater was cool because it's an older style theater where all of the seats are relatively on the same level. They they weren't uh, angled much like movie theaters are nowadays, and the screen was up really high, so. It was cool because I remember going and seeing movies like that back when I was a kid. And there are movie theaters here in Toronto now, old movie theaters that have since, uh, you know, been bought privately or whatever and used for these purposes while everyone else is going to the big multiplexes or whatever, the modern movie theaters. These old theaters that could have been forgotten or demolished and something else put in their place and they're being used for stuff like this like the revivals of these old movies like the monster squad i went to see beetlejuice like it's really weird like it does feel almost like the future of movies is old movies Mm because like you know nowadays if a a movie comes out like you can get it on demand sometimes the same day (laughs) but but very soon after like new movies are just not like i was always worried that i'm like are movie theaters going to disappear in my lifetime? Like, that would suck. But I feel like it. they might hang around the same way that, uh, you know, like record stores are still around. Like, maybe they'll hang around just to play old movies. I would I, rather watch an old movie. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think that... Um, I think that movies are necessary. And it's, it's a social... Not only a social thing, but without the movie theater, I guess... The, the companies, like, the, the production companies are not going to make their money back. Right. Yeah, I guess it's true for, like, the big, big-ass fucking, like, Marvel movies and stuff, yeah. Like, when you put between 200 and $300 million down to get a fucking movie made, you need to make that back. And, actually, not a lot of people know this, but when you think of the price of a movie that, uh, that it costs to make it, now double that price oh for marketing because marketing yeah, costs as much insane, yeah you know because you've got to pay social media you've got to pay for all the bus stop ads and billboards everything shit. like yeah. everything 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 TV, so tv ads like so yeah. a 200 million dollar movie is really a 400 million dollar movie so a movie like say it the it remake that came out this past year it cost it, it actually cost very little they made that movie for like fucking i think it was like 35 million dollars or 70 million dollars or something stupid like that and their marketing campaign for that movie was absolutely nuts it was brilliant like you couldn't turn a corner without seeing something like they actually had people hired to be strategically placed throughout major cities like 
they had kids hired for fuck's sakes wearing the the yellow rain slicker with the red balloon. <laughs> wow, that's good. Idea. Yeah, like, would have been awesome if they had people in sewer grates. <laughs> if you look, they in. did. <laughs> you know, like they did all that stuff. Anyway, it's so creepy too to think too. Like in some ways, it seems like oh, you just make a big movie and then it makes a uh, even more money and everything's fine. But it's those weird cases like fucking John Carter from Mars or Tomorrowland where. They seem like they did everything right, but nobody goes, and they just suddenly lost $200 million. (laughs) Well, in the case of John Carter from Mars, I mean, the big mistake they made with that is they released on the same weekend as the first Avengers movie, figuring it could compete. Yeah, that's not a good plan. (laughs) No. Meanwhile, Avengers was like a billion dollar movie. (laughs) Yeah, like it made fucking megabucks. But yeah, we went to see the Monster Squad. It was like, even though I wasn't kind of wowed, it's such a good movie. It's so... Yeah, especially, man. It's pure. It's from a better time, almost, I think. And that first, like, 40 minutes or whatever, I mean, it's a short movie anyway, but there's a little bit in the middle where it drags a little bit, but, like, the first, like, 40 minutes is so, so good and so snappy and so quick, and the dialogue is so awesome and just so, like, just, it's like, well, it's like the... You know, Shane Black, I guess, is kind of known for that kind of dialogue, but I think that was his best version of it. Like, every everybody says the cleverest shit all the time. It's awesome. Uh, Fred Decker as well. Fred right. Decker was uh, a big deal. And, and, like, these two worked together on Night of the Creeps as well. Fucking, I was going to say, too, about, like, old-style movie theater stuff. Do you remember, like... When we were kids, you'd go see a movie. First, I, there was like the, uh, they used to always have the kind of curtain and the curtain mm-hmm. would be closed and then finally and then the it would open, would open. Yeah. And they would just, I, I don't know, when I was real young, I don't remember what they played, if it was just music or whatever. But I remember the evolution where then it got to be like, it would be like a, a radio station kind of thing playing. Mm-hmm. They would just be like, prepare to enjoy the show or whatever. And I definitely remember the first time. I saw a commercial before a movie. It was a Coke commercial. And I def- even though I was only, like, a kid, I remember thinking, like, something just changed and it's never going back. Like, if they can get mm-hmm. away with this, they're not going to stop. And, and, yeah, and I bitch got, about that all the time. And, and, well, then when I got the job at the movie theater in Vancouver in, like, 2006, it was cool because I was, like, the last generation where we used real film reels and actual projectors and everything went digital real soon after that. But the transition was the movie was on film reels and we had to thread up the, the film and do the whole thing. But the pre-show was a digital projector because it didn't have to be as high quality. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, yeah, like, it was like a 40-minute ad loop that, you know, like 40 minutes before, let's just start playing ads. And then that wasn't even... Then there was the actual ads on, in, before the real movie and then the trailers. And, uh, yeah, it's just... It was sad to be a like part of it. Like, now it's, like, one long fucking sales commercial before you watch a movie. Yeah. Like, you see drinks, you see food, you see cell phones, you see uh, at least two different car ads. And it was such a, yeah, it was such a bummer because, on the one hand, I loved it because I loved learning about, like, how to splice together a movie and how to take the film reels and put them all together on the big platter and all that stuff. But then I was also the guy who... You know, they're like, okay, this week, take out the uh, Toyota ad and put in the fucking whatever ad. And I had to manually do it. And I had to put these ads in every movie. And I just was like, ugh. 
it's my fault that people have to watch these ads, you know? <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, it's just, it's just like, it's just weird to think back. That It's almost like, it's, it's similar to how we grew up, you know, half of our, our childhood was before the internet, and then our teenage years were after the internet. It was like that. It's like we were like, it's like thinking about the 40s or something. Mm-hmm. The fucking curtain <laughs> that would open and the no commercials before a movie. I mean... We thought about perhaps doing an episode on the Monster Squad, and I love the Monster Squad. It's one of my all-time favorites. I have fucking two different versions on Blu-ray. I've got a VHS. I've got it digitally through iTunes. Like, I've got this movie in spades. But the thing is, is it's going through this huge revival right now, Uh, especially what with the kid who played Sean in the movie uh he's now obviously a fucking grown adult like 45 year old dude uh named he has like a podcast right yeah squadcast uh andre gower he wrote and directed a documentary about the monster squad uh specifically its fandom and its fan base and you know how it's got this big revival going on at this point like 30 years later uh, and it's called Wolfman's Got Nerves, which is <laughs> which is really cool, and I can't wait to see this thing. Uh, it's really a tribute to the fans because, for a long time, only real movie geeks talked about the Monster Squad. There were, there wasn't a lot of buzz about it. It didn't do well at the box office because it was too grown up for little kids to see, but it was too it, it had too many kids in it and stuff like that to make it uh, marketable to an adult or even teenagers. So. There was no real middle ground for it, so it really got lost and only achieved cult status more than anything else. It didn't make money. Isn't that weird, too, that we're in the world now where we know that kind of stuff? Yeah. Like, we we never used to know if a movie was successful. Like, why would we know? Why would we even care? (laughs) You know? Well, I discovered that movie because my grandmother taped it off of... uh, HBO on satellite like she had one of those old-school giant satellite dishes back when satellite dishes Got you literally everything like even stuff that was still in theaters uh, And she recorded this because she thought I'd like it because I always liked horror movies yeah. And I did like it and I wore that tape the fuck out That is a weird thing too. It's like I mean, I guess this isn't something I should be bothered by but it is again just with the internet age of like It's the it, like there's always the two sides to everything where it's so cool that you know people can come together like take the monster squad for instance like i get it people can talk about it and reminisce and like the fans can come together and it's cool that it finally gets its due but on the other hand or our sleepaway camp is a great example too of like you know it's known if anything it's known as a joke now but that's not how anybody knew it before anyone who knew about it loved it because it was a cool creepy movie with a twist ending yeah, and it's like those little cool things that are just your thing or that not many people were into, like they kind of don't exist anymore, right? Because they just, if something is kind of good, it just gets kind of swarmed <laughs> and it just loses the luster kind of. Yeah, uh, but going back to the whole um, Monster Squad thing, the, the reason I, I don't want to do an actual podcast like a, one of our episodes on it is because... Everyone's doing it right now. Everyone, like, it's, you know, it went from a year ago uh, to there being, like, three podcasts mentioning the Monster Squad to, like, dozens. So, 
I don't want to add to that. I'd rather do something like, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, that's not, it's not coincidence that we did, like, uh, Halloween 5 and we're doing Nightmare 2 and stuff. <laughs> like, we're doing the weird ones sometimes. Yeah, we're the doing the ones. off ones, really. Uh, <laughs> Even with, remember, remember with Nightmare Sisters, where after we recorded that podcast, we did a little Googling and we're like, here's another guy who did a commentary for Nightmare Sisters. Fuck. <laughs> like, I didn't expect that. <laughs> well, I know there are some for Sleepaway Camp. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're not, it's not like we're the most obscure if we wanted to just go crazy obscure of course we could but mm-hmm. yeah we're just but yeah trying to kind of like yeah we're still obviously doing stuff that we like and that uh, other people like and shit but yeah we're trying to to go a little outside the norm a little bit yeah we're, we're trying to, to not do or, the same or shit that everyone else is doing necessarily or yeah we did friday the 13th part five also <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Just the, the black sheep kind of yeah, uh, in a lot of cases that's fun. Uh, we're just trying to do movies that we like enough and that not everyone else is doing. Like, it's obviously impossible for us to not pick something uh, that's been, or to pick something rather that uh, someone else has picked. Right, and even hey, sometimes you just got to do the crow. You just got to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of those out there, so whatever. You know, I think maybe too part of it is just uh, like kind of genre stuff too, like horror in specific. Like, I can definitely think of stuff that I like that isn't, like, that still is unknown and no one cares about, like, fucking Bikini Summer 2, or there's this Winona Ryder movie called Boys from the Mm mid-90s that I love that no one cares about, but no one's ever gonna. I like that movie. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) But those are just, like, genres that nobody's digging into, no one cares about. Where horror, I guess that's the difference, is, like, horror, every stone is getting overturned right like everyone is just like what what horror movies are left from these different eras that we haven't seen right which is a good thing i'm not complaining it's awesome that these companies are finding all these things and re-releasing them but yeah those like movies that were just for you and your friends they're just that doesn't exist anymore <laughs> like and i'd like to reiterate as well uh, our podcast is not strictly a horror podcast right like, we're we're also doing like cult movies like we did basketball yeah. you know and maybe we should do one on a writer film boys <laughs> i won't no. make you do that <laughs> <laughs> no it was so great though let me just briefly give the pitch where it was one of these movies where again like just you can tell it got all fucked up by producers and stuff it uh, i mean it wasn't a great movie but the idea was so great that it was this boys school where every boy was named john so they all just used their last names which is a weird detail you only know if you watch it as many times as i did and Winona Ryder is the older woman who is just trying to escape her weird life where, I don't know, just stupid shit's happening in her life. And she falls off a horse, and one of the boys finds her knocked out in a field and takes her back to the dorm. And she just decides, like, yeah, you know what, I'm trying to kind of hide, lay low right now. I'm just going to hang out in the dorm with all these fucking teen boys. And it's just weird and cool, and I like it. <laughs> but nobody cares about that movie. I do like it. I do. It so kind of goes nowhere, has no ending, but hey, whatever. <laughs> you know? Just a little, uh, a little aside, uh, totally unrelated to anything else we've been talking about. Uh, today, I hit a magic oh, number oh, in yeah. my Blu-ray collection. Right. So I've been collecting for uh, eight years. In the eight years, I have lost due to giving away. Uh, movies to my ex-wife after we split or selling off dead weight uh, a little over 300 movies so if I had those 300 movies I'd be at a huge number right now but 
I'm at the magic number as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so this is a milestone. Uh, we have hit today 666 movies in my Blu-ray collection. That is, that's fucking sweet. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, like, it's almost like... I mean, it would be crazy to stop now, but if you were going to stop, this is the place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd well, be weird to, like... I have Summer of 84 coming in the mail through Amazon, so... Uh, so it'll be over soon, so this, yeah. yeah, we'll capture this golden moment, because that would almost be kind of interesting, like, even if it was just as a way to... Say you had to keep your collection, like, under control, or whatever, for some reason. Mm-hmm. It'd be funny to pick 666, so every time you get a new movie, now you got to get rid of an old one, mm-hmm. and just the survival of the fittest, till you have the 666 fucking most badass Blu-rays in the world. But honestly, that's kind of what I did, because uh, the dead weight that I sold off was like, you know, I got rid of shit like the Fast and Furious movies, like right. all of them. Yeah, which, um, I mean, those movies are kind of cool, but there's no need to own them. Yeah, no. like, they're just, they're everywhere, everyone's got them. Yeah, so 666 movies. Uh, the three that put me up to 666 uh, were uh, John Carpenter's Body Bags, which is an anthology movie, uh, and Dog Soldiers, the werewolf movie that I've never seen. Uh, right. Those are both Scream Factory releases, by the way. And the collector's edition of Last House on the Left that was, it's a three disc set comes with a book, comes with a reversible uh, poster, so you've got the new art on one side, and if you flip it, it's the original movie poster art, and it's encased in a, a hard shell case. So those were the three that put me over today. Yeah, that's sweet, and yeah, like I haven't seen Dog Soldiers in ten years, and I only saw it the once, but I liked it. That's something that's so neat, too, about horror movies, is it's, it's the reverse of, like, with the superhero movie, the more budget, the better. You don't want them mm-hmm. cheaping out on your superhero movies. Whereas with horror movies, it can totally go the other way. Like with that dude who did Dog Soldiers, and we were talking about his other movie, Doomsday. Mm-hmm. Doomsday is a piece of fucking shit. But because Dog Soldiers was his first movie and he didn't have any money, like that can be better. Like when you're just, it's like these, you know, like fucking Scottish fucking military guys in the woods and werewolves start showing up and they just have to find all these ways to not waste money and it's 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 really cool <laughs> it's like better because of that like if he had the doomsday budget when he made dog soldiers it probably would have sucked also something weird about that guy like the less money he has the better he is a good example of that would be uh toby hooper back when he was alive he had a three picture deal uh and the movies that he was supposed to do were texas chainsaw 2 Life Force and uh, Invaders from Mars. Now, I've honestly I've never seen Invaders from Mars. I haven't heard good things. Right. I've seen Texas Chainsaw too, and that movie is batshit crazy. So right. I assume after doing that, uh, they were like, "Oh, Life Force is going to be great," and they threw a bunch of money at Toby Hooper. They're like, "Here, fucking have all the money." So he took this money, did something fucking nuts, I guess, and they didn't make their money back. So, like, the movie cost, I don't know, like $25 million to make back in the early 80s. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. You know, so that's like, you know, $70 million today's money. And it made, like, $12 million. Man. So. <laughs> they got to sell a lot of VHS tapes of that bad boy. 
<laughs> and I just picked up Life Force actually on Blu-ray, the Scream Factory uh, Steel Book that came out, and it's limited to uh, to ten thousand copies. Man, it's weird too with movies where the budgets, like again with like. If it's a superhero movie, I feel like, yeah, you want the money, put the money into it. It's the only way that it's good. But with more down-to-earth movies, it's like almost like the movie costs whatever you want it to cost. Because I always think of uh, Zack and Miri make a porno, which is exactly like every other Kevin Smith movie. It's just slightly more famous actors. And it was like $20 million. Mm-hmm. You can't tell. It looks exactly like fucking Mallrats. It's exactly the same. Why was it $20 million? Like, there's no need for that. I'll be curious to see how much it costs them to do the, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Yeah, I mean, I assume they're probably going to keep it pretty cheap. But yeah, that's like what I find so interesting with Kevin Smith is like, even Mallrats at the time was pretty expensive. It was like $6 million. But again, it didn't need to be. Like, Clerks obviously looks like shit. All his other movies are fine. And they all have radically different budgets. Confession time. I do not like Mallrats. I don't love it. It's overrated by Kevin Smith fans. Like, I like Chasing Amy and Clerks way better for the those The best other parts ones. of Mallrats are all... Jason Lee? No. Oh, Jason Lee's so good. Jason Lee is good. Right. But he's a close second to Ben Affleck. Yeah, Affleck is pretty sweet in that movie. <laughs> That's I do think that's like the most valuable thing about Mallrats is that it's like the discovery of Jason Lee. It's like holy shit, this guy's a good actor. Like who would have thought that the skateboard guy is this funny? But yeah, Mallrats as a full film. I remember I was really let down when I saw it because I saw Clerks and Chasing Amy first, mm-hmm. and I'm like Me holy too. shit, I can't wait to see Mallrats. And then I'm like, huh, all right. I remember <laughs> seeing trailers for Mallrats when I went to see. Uh, the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie in the theater. All right. There was trailers for, for Mallrats. I remember that specifically. I remember seeing Mallrats uh, advertisements on the back of comic books back then, and I didn't know who James Bob were, and I'm just like, who the fuck are these douchebags? <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, a couple of years later, I found out about Clerks. Just I think I rented it at Log Home just one time, and, and I was like, wait a second? Those are the guys from the comic book ads, and but they're in this weird black and white movie. I discovered Clerks first on what channel? It was like uh, like Showtime or something like that. They were playing it late at night, and I, I stumbled across it. I might have been ten minutes in, and I was immediately sucked in. Yeah, oh man, Clerks really is like... Sometimes uh, Kevin Smith is specifically about Clerks and Mallrats, as he said, like... Clerks kind of got too much praise, and Mallrats got too much uh, anti-praise, whatever, too much criticism. <laughs> but I don't think that's true at all. Like Clerks, Clerks to this day, like is the only black and white indie film I've ever seen that I actually like. <laughs> you know, like I don't. It's weird because I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm that shallow of a guy. I can watch some fucking artsy bullshit. But every time I watch an independently made black and white movie, it's so pretentious and so boring. And Clerks is the only one where people just say funny shit and it's actually entertaining to watch. Mm -hmm. It's not like some sad clown bullshit. If you guys want, uh, feel free to shoot us a message. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Uh, Our Twitter handle is podcast prison our instagram is prison underscore wallets underscore pod i believe uh so look us up check us out
we worked back in the projection booth together back in the day at the Scotiabank Theater, or was it just Paramount at the time? Yeah, it was just Paramount. A much better name. Yeah, because I remember I left town for a while, and then I, for like eight months, and when I came back, I was like, oh, I'll just get a job at the movie theater again, and it said Scotiabank, and I was like, what? Did the movie theater turn into a bank and no one told me? And I was like, worried, but yeah, now that's like, in Canada, Scotiabank everything. There's a Scotiabank Dance Center in Toronto. It doesn't even make any sense to me. It's, yeah. it's just like, how could you guys not think that this is going to be confusing? I remember people would walk in all the time, standing at podium, they're like, um, so where's the tellers? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sorry, there's the Scotiabank, another block up the road, we're a theater. I'm, I, I understand the confusion. It's real weird, right? I guess diversify your portfolio or whatever, but yeah, Couldn't they just know. called it Scotia Theater? Yeah. You know, just cut the bank word out there just to avoid any confusion. That's a good point. Scotia Theater. Yeah, it doesn't sound so bad. No, it sounds good. Scotia yeah. Bank Theater really is dumb. Like, I feel like that's one of those things that, like, other countries would mock us if they knew. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Scotia it could Bank be happening. Theaters. You know, last time I was in New York, there's TD Banks all over the place in New York now, but they don't call them Toronto Dominion Banks. Like, they're just TD. Doesn't mean anything. Could be, who knows. <laughs> but I thought it was so cool, too, working up in the projection booth. We were, like, the last generation. Yeah. Projectionists really aren't a thing anymore. No, even though I was hilarious. When we got the first digital projector, I turned to the GM and I said, is this like the beginning of the end for us? He's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're always going to need projectionists. The job's just going to change. Bullshit on that. <laughs> the job changed to 10 minutes a day of programming the computer. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, like building a film is plugging a hard drive into a, into a computer and then going transfer and waiting Two or three hours, and yeah, so the job's gone. The job is not there. There's very few film theaters left out there. It's one of those things, too, I'm really glad I got to do, like, to learn how it works and, like, to actually have film prints and build them up and learn how to project oh, yeah. And It was weird, too, because I remember at the time, like, some of the other people that worked there, like, it was a low-level job, slightly more than minimum wage. It was a crappy job, but I thought it was awesome, and I was so into it. And, like, yeah, obviously you were into it, and Heidi oh, was yeah. on the show before she was into it. We were, like, the projection, like, into film people. But I remember this other dude that worked there got a job at a shoe store that paid, like, 50 cents more, and he quit to work at the shoe store. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, this is history. This is movies, man. What is, like... I couldn't believe Don't it. you want to keep getting asked if we cut in pornography like in Fight Club? <laughs> yeah. Did you just want to keep getting asked that by everybody? <laughs> I was like, where would we get pornography on a 35 millimeter, like 35 millimeter porn? Where are we getting that from? <laughs> <laughs> that's, <laughs> there you go. That's, that's, the, that's the flaw in Fight Club right there. Yeah. Sorry, folks. It can't be done. Porn is not on 35 millimeter. It, does, it is not compatible with mainstream cinema. Although, who knows, maybe a snippet from, like, Blue Velvet or Lost Caution. Something. Yeah, I guess you could do, you could do sort of okay. Yeah. But I even remember, like, we were at uh, our friend Connor's place, just, I think it was New Year's, where me and you got talking about, like, the emulsion that comes off of a projector, and when you clean it, it's, like, this beautiful purple stardust. Yep, yep. And we were just all black, and I could just sort of tell everybody else there was, like, like what are these losers talking <laughs> about? <laughs> but, but I like that we thought, thought that was important, you know? Like, because well, I didn't even think about the until you brought up, I'm like, holy crap, that's right. I'd clean it, it'd be this, this vibrant purple. And I, I did this like every week. I was thinking that, that even though that was years ago and we've had other jobs together since and everything's different now or whatever, like when I envision you, my like vision of Doug is like at that table where you make up and break down movies, like just like putting yeah. together a film print. Like it's just, that was our place where we belonged. Those were the glory days. Oh man, I love that. Were you there when Hamza was there? 
Uh, that does ring a bell. Yeah, I think so. I know uh, Hamza and I, we, we became like this very fluid unit in the booth. We were so efficient just on Thursdays. Ah, oh, it was brilliant. It was like Heidi in the morning, me in the mid-shift, Hamza at night. Oh, they, that was the dream team. Sorry. And, and I guess I should, uh, I should be clear that, you know, sure, it was a bad job or whatever, but if you have to have a bad job that, you know, pays crappy... It's the coolest bad job that there was. Oh, yeah. It was the... It was only bad in the sense that it paid poorly. Yeah. And so it was more like a great job for a bad company. Right. So, I mean, a company that I have no... No, I don't work for them anymore. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, they're... they're Cineplex, <laughs> they can go to hell. <laughs> I remember, too, like, when I think back to, like, that... I mean, basically, projecting a movie was just taking the different little roles and taping them. You literally just tape them together into a big roll and then run it through a projector. But then there'd be stuff like if the advertisement before a movie changed like a week or two in there was this whole process of like you had to to like go in it was like doing civil war surgery it was like you had to snip out those ads and add in new ads and you couldn't mess anything up and there's no way to rewind a movie if you do something wrong and because the ads had to be in a specific order the trailers had to be in a well the trailers depending on how long the film had been playing like initially they have to be in a certain order if the movie's been playing a long time the the order's a little less important because sometimes you have to take out trailers for movies that have already come out and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, you basically you put in a ring and you rolled it up and yeah, oh, and it's making me very nostalgic for it. <laughs> and <laughs> it uh, was very tactile. I never straight up messed up a movie. I think I almost did. Like I actually did put like a piece of a movie in like backwards or something. And then something deep in my brain was like, go back and check that. And I fixed it in time. And it never, no one ever saw that a whole like 20 minute chunk of the movie was backwards. Oh, good catch. But I did put in a trailer backwards before. And Mm. yeah, like the theater starts laughing and then they look back at the booth like, aren't you going to fix this? And it's like, all I can do is turn down the sound until this is over. Like, I can't, I can't fix this right now. I can fix this later. The worst of that was, I remember, it wasn't me. So I'm very happy it wasn't me. I, I don't remember who it was. There was a whole reel done in backwards for Saw 2. Oh, man. And like, and we didn't catch it until... like the movie's was, getting artsy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you thought the Saw movies were pretentious enough, <laughs> when, with, with 20 minutes easy, completely backwards, that's really pushes the line. <laughs> that's the weird thing, too, that that's what I was going to say before, is this used to be... Like, being a projectionist was, like, a union job, and it was, like, paid a bunch of money because there was, like, xenon bulbs that could explode and things that could go catch on fire, and it was all complicated. So by the time we did it, it was just, if you're just some idiot who works at a movie theater, you can just go work in the projection booth and get paid basically minimum wage. But there's still those elements of the old job. Like, you still couldn't just be an idiot, you know? Like, yeah, there was still yeah. a lot of stuff you could get wrong. I mean, because the, there were times, there were people who had been in the booth who did get some things wrong, and they weren't allowed just to be up there. <laughs> um, because, but the thing is, I think we should have been paid more, because the stakes were very high. Like, if you're a floor guy and you miss ripping somebody's ticket... It's no big deal. If someone sneaks into theater, it's no big deal. If a whole theater, like, the, the picture goes off, suddenly that's very high stress, very high stakes, um, a lot of money on the line. So, like, they, they trusted us a lot for, like, a 25-cent raise kind of thing. So Yeah. Yeah. And that was back when the minimum wage in BC was, like, $8. Yeah. It might even and, have been less when I started. I think I got paid, like, seven fifty. <laughs> and, oh, man, that, that was at $8 for so long, it got really, really hard. And then they're like, oh, yeah, I guess we need to increase our minimum wage because everyone else in Canada has. And we, so, like, we were the lowest. And I think we're the lowest again. But yeah, at least it's still we're not. pretty pathetic. What is it, like, $10 now? 10 something? I don't um, know. $10.75, maybe? Yeah, it's still I don't know. still pretty sad, but anyway. So the point is, though, <laughs> movies. <laughs> we dig movies. Yeah, that's, that's, 
<laughs> that's a roundabout way of saying it. Yeah. 